Hey, good evening. Good evening, everyone. Uh, this is Lacey Johnson welcoming you to our weekly excursion into the world of achievement and achievers. Uh, we're coming to you live from our studio here in North Minneapolis. And as always, it's another blessed day in the hood for me. Uh, tonight, we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. K.B. Bala. A lot of you out there have already heard of this young man, uh, achievements and his family life and things like that. Uh, Mr. Bala uh, was the owner of Score Sports Bar and Grill. In fact, he had saved his money to get money and, and, and was ready to open the business when uh, the riots uh, on Lake Street uh, behind uh, the George Floyd killing uh, erupted, destroyed his business. And this was just as he was getting ready to open up to. Uh, long story short there, uh, there was a, a viral video, I think, of him uh, reacting to uh, what they've done to him and his business. And I think there was some people trying to steal the safe out of his business. But anyway, that went live. And uh, there was a GoFundMe uh, program in, uh, opened up for him, funding opened up for him. And, you know, uh, as Americans always do, uh, they are supportive of people in need. And so I think uh, I think Mr. Bala wouldn't uh, mind me mentioning that. I think he raised over a, a million dollars with that GoFundMe. And uh, it's going to come in handy in him trying to uh, rebuild his business. So, but like I say, every uh, intro, uh, we... Uh, visit some of the news items that's happened uh, the pr prior to the show. Uh, this week, uh, there's a particular news item we're going to deal with, but first I might need to lay some framework for this discussion. Uh, Malcolm X had a quote, uh, should I say El-Haj Malik El-Shabazz, which is the name he took up after he made his uh, El Haj uh, pilgrimage uh, to Mecca. And while he was over there, he realized that it was not about race. Uh, he said he saw Muslims of all variety. And uh, prior to that, uh, he was part of the uh, Elijah Muhammad Black Muslim movement. And it was mainly uh, race-based type of uh, Islam, and he got exposed to the standard Islam, and that really changed his perspective on a lot of things. And so, another thing I should mention before we get into that is, uh, uh, I think February 21st of last month was the 57th anniversary of his assassination at the Ottoman Ballroom in New York. And there was a documentary on that, which, of course, uh, revealed the fact, not surprisingly, uh, that they sent a couple of innocent uh, young men to prison for a long time. And I think they've been pardoned. And uh, uh, as a result of that, uh, it discussed the involvement of the FBI and other government agencies and creating dissension between him and within the black Muslim and other uh, civil rights movements, uh, and I found very interesting. But the reason I bring up 
Malcolm or El Hajmalik El Shabazz is that he had a quote that I'm going to use to set the foundation for my little intro tonight. Uh, Malcolm said, the media is the most powerful entity in the world. It has the power to make the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent. And I'm paraphrasing there. And, you know, you could substitute any adjective, opposite adjectives there. Uh, if it, it has the power to make the liar seem truthful and the truth seem like a lie. It has the power uh, to make uh, deception seem like reality and reality seem like deception. So any type of uh, opposite adjectives you want to plug in there works. And the reason I'm bringing that up, I'm getting a little bit in the media, a uh, couple of stories. Uh, one is, uh, and we're going to tie these together, uh, and you probably haven't been following this. Phil Mickelson was in the news. He had to apologize because uh, they're trying to set up a new a golf tour over in Saudi Arabia to compete with the PGA Tour over here, and there's been a split between the young and the old and things like that. But anyway, Phil uh, basically said uh, Saudi Arabia – uh, has done a lot of bad things, but uh, he did a trade-off. It's worth it uh, to overlook what they've done uh, to give us better leverage with the PGA, which he feels is taking advantage of a lot of the players nowadays. And But really, the thing that caught my attention, he mentioned the fact that one of the things that the government of Saudi Arabia had done was uh, assassinated uh, the journalist, I forgot the journalist's name. I should have done my homework on that. But the journalist that they, they assassinated over there. And this is where I'm going to start at as far as the media is concerned. When I read an article or listen to a story, uh, I'm always looking for what I'm not being told. And I'm always, I always have questions uh, while I'm listening or reading it. And if some major question goes unanswered. I figure I haven't gotten to the truth yet. Uh, in fact, uh, there are no loose ends, it's my philosophy, in the truth. And the, the incident that he talked about, it reminded me that I just remember that incident was the journalist went over, uh, went to the Saudi uh, uh, embassy, they said, to get his marriage license. And his fiance left outside, I think it was in a car. And I always had wondered what was his fiance doing while he was being tortured and killed? And I also wondered what happened to her. And I did some research on the lady and that's, that's just my habit. I don't just listen to the news. Did some research on her and all I'll say for now, there's some weird stuff out, was out on our social media and we still haven't heard from her. And you would think that we've heard from her for now. So that, that let me know that, you know, I really don't have that whole story. It's kind of like also uh, the situation of the news of the week. Uh, someone sent me an article, I think from CNN website, uh, about a young brother driving through the city of Brookhaven. And, his and he was a FedEx worker. He was in a van, a Hertz van. And uh, his van was blocked and shot up. And that's all CNN said. And, you know, that's this narrative. Let me say that. Have you ever noticed that whenever, 
I say nine times out of ten, when the media is talking about black affairs, racism is the subject. Achievement is very seldom the subject. Education is very seldom the subject. Business is very seldom the subject. Nine times out of ten, at least, it's all about racism. And we're constantly feeding that uh, to our young black kids. And that's one of the things I want to uh, kind of fight against on uh, our Bright Lights uh, podcast. But this is where I'm going. I read the story and I was like, wait a minute, something's not adding up here. And you have to, and you heard me talk about this before. I was born and raised in Natchez, Mississippi. And uh, one thing about down south, and people tend to think it's a whole bunch of toothless, inbred white Klansmen down south, but that's far from the truth. But I let them think whatever they want to think. But, uh, Growing up down there, I never had any issues with any of the white people. And one thing about the South, uh, blacks and white work together. I mean, you it would be hard to find any white neighborhood, no matter how rich or whatever, uh, that wasn't familiar with black people being in the neighborhood because we worked in our homes, we, we, we did the gardening and everything else, and there was some personal relationship there. And this is where I'm going. I'm like, wait a minute. In Brookhaven, the 60 minute, about, a 60, uh, about an hour from Natchez, I'm like, something doesn't sound right there. Uh, whatever neighborhood he was in, there have been a lot of black folks that drove through there and didn't get shot up because uh, I just know the area. Long story short, as I normally do, I just went try to check out what was going on behind the scenes. Went and got a copy of the local, well, went online, looked at the local newspaper, and then it started to make sense. And they was explaining the fact that uh, this young man uh, was driving through the neighborhood trying to find the house. And then when he finally thought he found the house, he put a package on the porch of the people who was accusing him of doing the shooting. And then he realized it was a wrong house and he came back to get the package. And I suspect some of this might be the people thought he was still in the package that someone had left. But long story short, those are very important uh, items. Uh, inf- that's very important information to put this whole story in context. But if they put it in context, it wouldn't fit the usual narrative of America being this racist country and nation. And I'll end with a couple of things. Uh, the field of human psychology teaches us when you are studying human behavior that there's this bell curve that applies. This is considered a normal distribution. And where, it's, where I'm going with that is that uh, if, we, if we're dealing with the issue of race and racism, history has proven, statistics have proven that on the far end, you're going to have some nuts and crazes and racists are going to hate black people no matter what. On another far end, you're going to have uh, some white people who like black people no matter what. And the vast majority of the people are going to be in between. And so I think when I see all this focusing on racism in this country, uh, I get very suspicious of the motivation. And the last thing I'm going to say is this, and we're going to get KB on here. Look, think about it. You do not, well, let me come at it this way. If there's anyone or any group of people or any organization in your life, they're always reminding you of all the bad things that's happened to you. They're always reminding you 
of all the people out there, they're not saying, let's set some goals in life. I'm here to help you meet your goals. People who only focus on your bad past and the pe bad people out there in your life and doing bad things to you, you may want to consider the fact that those people are not your friend you, and stop listening to them. What you want in your circle is people who have confidence in you, feel that confidence in you, help you to establish goals in life and help you achieve goals in life. So I'm going to leave it there and bring on my very special guest, uh, Mr. KB Bala. Come on, KB. Uh, how you doing this evening? Oh, we, uh, we're having some... Uh, yeah, I was muted. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay, yeah. that's okay. How you doing, young man? Man, I'm blessed. I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. So, uh, I met you right after the... Uh, Excuse me, uh, George Floyd incident. Uh, uh, and at that time, they had uh, uh, your building just just destroyed your business mm -hmm. that you had just gotten ready to open up. Right. And uh, you were going through, through some tough times, uh, but even then, I sensed that you were on solid ground. So. Let's back up a second before we get into that. Let's learn a little bit about you and your background. And so let's start with this. Uh, tell us in the audience, uh, KB, where are you? Where were you born and raised at? Uh, first and foremost, a little bit about the family environment, uh, which you grew up in and anything that was inspiration for you uh, and that would predict uh, the great things you, that you're currently doing. Okay. Um, so I was born in Liberia, West Africa. Um, came here when I was 15 years old. Um, I actually came here because of the civil war that broke up in Liberia um, back in, it was, it went on for centuries. So my dad was already here prior to me moving out here. So my dad was here. Um, my dad had actually moved to the U.S. Uh, when my mom was pregnant. Um, so he's been here for 40 some old years. So but when I came, you know, he was already here and was, he was already established. So then I went to high school. I went to Robinsdale, um, Armstrong High School. Um, but when I first came, um, because of the Civil War in Liberia, I could barely, I was out of school for like almost three years. So imagine moving from West Africa, not going to school for about three years or so, came to the U.S. and got put into um, the 11th grade. So my, my, my reading and my writing and everything was just so terrible. And, you know, but trying to go to high school was just one of the, um, the determination, like, I have to do this. And even just moving out here, my mom will stay back home. So mm -hmm. my goal was, I got to get my mom here. So whatever it's going to take to do what I have to do, you know, to graduate and start working, you know, to get my mom here is what I'm going to do. So I was able to graduate, work with my class, and my mom was able to come for my graduation. So she made it here and since then she's been here. Um, so that just a little brief um, background on how I got here. Um, and then my mom came, my little sister came and the rest of the family was, half of my family was already here, you know? Mm -hmm. So we came and we, we, we kind of stayed in Minnesota. Um, and one of the things about Minnesota was where you see most of like the refugees or 
the foreigners that's like Bering and uh, uh, Somali and it's Minnesota was one of the state that was granting asylum to people that was coming from West Africa or whatever, whatever part of Africa it was coming from. So that's why we kind of just settle in Minnesota. Um, but that's the little brief story of my little, you know, journey from Liberia to America. Yeah, when I think of Liberia, I do think about uh, uh, Marcus Garvey and uh, him uh, leading the resettlement of uh, black people in Liberia. Uh, yes. I remember the Civil War and Charles Taylor, I think his name oh, yeah. was. <laughs> yes. I remember all of that. Now, uh, in most of these countries, the way it goes is that the people that have to leave, uh, they are on the wrong side, and I don't know what this is, of the strong man or the dictator. Uh, yeah. where, where I'm assuming, and just give me a little history lesson here, that perhaps you were on the wrong side of Charles Taylor, and that's one of the reasons you guys had. Yeah, because yeah, my that. mom was in the, my mom was in the government. She worked at Customs, right. so she did all uh -huh. the input and export for the government. So, um, just prior to her for for me even leaving, we we had to leave the city, because when right. Charles when he was taking over, anybody that worked for the previous government was bad. Right, 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 right. You know, so now my mom was working for the government, so because of that reason, we had to flee. Right. You know? So okay. I left Liberia and I went to Sierra Leone. I was in Sierra Leone for another two years before coming here. So it was just a lot of little moving pieces, you know. And one of the things that I struggle with, um, and I still, my, me and my wife kind of, we've been going through, we had to go to a counseling and all that stuff because just my, my childhood, you know, mm -hmm. just leaving the Civil War and living in a different country and, you know, not knowing what's tomorrow gonna bring, not knowing what you're gonna eat, you know, it was just right, it was right, so right, bad right. and seeing the death and people just dying, family members, friends. And for me, when I came here a few years into me being here, I just kind of blocked all that stuff out. So just that was like my defense mechanism, right? So right. doing that, I forgot I left most of like my childhood memory. Right. In, right. You know, because I have to like sit back and think about some of my friends that I went to elementary school with. You know, some people be like, hey, KB, you remember me? We went black. I'm like, uh, not really, you know, because I kind of just took that piece of my my life and I just kind of put it in its box and just like lock it up and try to throw it away. You know, right. but every time I hear something about a, a war or somebody getting shot or a gunshot, it just kind of brings back those memories because I lived that. I was right. part of that when I was uh, what, um, 12 years old or however many years that was, you know, so I live for that stuff and I kind of don't like to, I won't say talk about it, but it's just part of my life. And I just right. try to box it out and I really talk about it. Well, that's my hit. <laughs> to move. No, to... no, <laughs> no I, I, kinda, I know you didn't mean it like that. It's a little therapy too, just talking about, you know, right. um, leaving Liberia, you know. So for me, I had to go to the therapist to be able to talk about it and be comfortable about it. Right. But years ago, I didn't even want to talk about it. And a little bit about kind of like, me and my dad, our relationship too was not so much similar because when I came, he wanted me to go in the military. He wanted me to go in the Air Force, you know, and then right. talking to my mom, just getting back from Africa, going through that stuff. She's like, no way. That's not even an option. You know, so me and my dad was kind of like tooth and nails trying to figure out like, hey, you got to go. And I'm like, no, my mom said I ain't going. I, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> you <know? laughs> well, you you mentioned mom and you mentioned dad. What about any siblings, sisters, or brothers uh, that you may have had? Uh, yes, have, so you know? I had 
I have a younger sister that's she's here. She was um, about six years old when she came. So my mom came and I was able to get my little sister in. So she's here now. She's about 26 years old. So she's been here for about 20 years now. Um, I have a, a younger brother, too. He's a few years younger than me. So when my dad got to the U.S., he remarried. So he had a I have a extended family through um, his marriage. Um, I have a little brother. Um, so I have two younger brothers, actually. And I had an older sister that recently passed that well not recently, but she passed away a couple of years ago. So um, but those are the siblings that I have. And I ha- and I still have an older brother back in Liberia, too. So it's kind of a. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the British <laughs> family there. Extended the family. family. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. So you come here and uh, they put you in eleventh grade, and if I understood you correctly, uh, you were struggling. You were behind in uh, oh yeah. re- terribly. Yeah, I was so, struggling so bad. So so how long? So you can you started in eleventh grade. How long did you graduate on time? By the way, KB. Yes, I graduated mm-hmm. on time. I worked with my class. I got all mm-hmm. my credits that I needed. I went to summer school. So my first year, the 11th grade was tough, you know, because just coming back here, my accents were really strong. Um, mm-hmm. I could barely read. You know, I could kind of read some stuff, like, you know, regular mm-hmm. reading, but as far as to read out loud right, and, right. you know, to talk about stuff, it was like a whole, it was like Spanish to me, you know? So mm-hmm. just trying to adapt to that and, you know, and stay after and talk to friends. And, you know, I had a, I had a little tutoring group that I used to go to just to kind of help me with my reading and stuff like that. So I just had to grind it out. Just out of curiosity, what's the official language in Liberia? What, what language do most people speak? So um, Liberia was colonized by America. You know, like you said, right. uh-huh. slave that went back home. Um, so the first, I think the first eight president, between uh-huh. five and eight president, were all Americans. Right, you know. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. all the names, all the so it, it's English, but it's real broken down. Right, so kind of right. like someone from from Haiti that's speaking French, but it's speaking Creole. Right, right. I got you. You know, I got you. So uh-huh. it's similar. It's just real broken down English. Right, right. Okay, so you get caught up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. You graduate from high school. Then where do you go from there? So after high school, um, I had this big thing, like, you know, African parents, you got to go to college and you got to get a doctor's degree. You got to get some kind of degrees behind it. And for me, I'm like, I just went through some of the toughest times just trying to figure out high school. I don't know if I'm ready to just go into college right now. So what's going to be my next option? So I decided to go to Hennepin Technical College. Um, I took a, I took a semester to be a computer science. Okay. Um, so that's what I want to go to college for. So the first week in class, sitting behind the computer was like, this is not even an option. I, my eyes is watering. I cannot sit in front of a computer screen for hours. This is not going to work. You know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. so luckily I was, I, I didn't get no loans and um, I decided to get a job. But prior to that, I was working part-time in um, at Circuit City um, in Brooklyn Center. I still remember that. And, I remember that. Yep. <laughs> yes, yes, right over 100. So I got a job at Circuit City and I started doing um I started doing sales in the car stereo department. And I had a manager, his name was Jason, and I I'm still friends with Jason up to up to today's date. Um so Jason took a liking to me and he taught me everything he knew about car stereo as far as how to install remote car starter, alarms, TV and hair rest. And I just did it exactly how he did it. 
And I and that's when I realized that I'm a visual kind of learner. So everything mm -hmm. I saw him do, I did exactly how it was supposed to be done, and probably even more. So any right. kind of car that came into Circuit City that was like a BMW that all the other installers didn't want to do, I took onto it. And I would right. do it, you right. know. So then I was making a lot more money just doing that because it was commission based. So I was hitting all my commissions and I was getting paid more. So imagine a 19 year old, 20 year old kid, you know, bringing home probably like $15,000 every two weeks. I mean, $1,500 every two weeks. So right. I would, I was good. Right, you right. So that's when I realized that this is something I had a passion for. And I stuck, I was at Circuit City for probably six to seven years working with them and then i left and went to best buy became a manager there in car stereo got my certification in that because i already knew what i was doing so right. i went and got my certification in that got started getting paid more became a manager there you know so i was between circuit city and best buy for maybe a century going back and forth between both companies who's ever going to pay me more right 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 so the co-worker uh who took a liking to you, mm -hmm. when you think about it, do you know what it was about you that made him take a liking to you? The personality, I think, okay. just because of how how I kind of dealt with him. You know, it was just more right. of just me and just just getting a liking or asking questions. You know what I'm saying? So every time he was doing something, why are we doing this? Why is this wire got to go here? And why are we doing this this way? You know, because I always wanted to know. I right, just right. want to just do it. I want to know the reason why I was doing it. You right. know, so and that's the reason why he took a liking to me and he told me everything that I knew and I just took it and ran with it. Now, before we uh, go further into uh, your achievements here, I'm sitting here thinking, uh, your young man uh, in a war-torn country, mm -hmm. your family is on the wrong side of the conflict. You got to leave that country. And you go to Sierra Leone, I think. You spend some time there. Mm -hmm. uh, you come here, and you are way behind in your education. You get into the 11th grade, and you're really struggling. But somehow, it sounds like to me, that you never lost your umph, your you know, motivation. How do you explain that, uh, KB? You know, um, my mom, my mom, I can't even speak too much of how much she stole in me as far as being a young man growing up. You know, we was in church, um, Pentecostal church. You oh, know, okay, we uh -huh. used to be in church for hours, you know, so... It was just one of those things, just being that growing in that in that um setting, you know, and she's just teaching me the 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 right way how to do things, you know. Uh treat people how you want to be treated, you know. So I grew up in the world every oh, sorry, my sister. This is one of the things I like about live. Yeah. <laughs> being live. I... <laughs> yeah. Just um, reacting to these type of things. Young, That's great. My youngest son has a phone now, so you always call it. Right. Oh, <laughs> my God. Kyron, stop. Um, I got to find a way to not, so he don't call anymore. Okay. How does that work? Um, okay. Hopefully, you don't call back. Um, 
but yeah, it was just it's it's my mom, and and I, I I go back to that every time, like all the stuff she instilled in me as a young man growing up, and you know, even no matter what I did or you know tried to do or not do, I always I can always hear her voice, you know, right, like right, son, right. you know, so I always defer back to her, just being what she thought me growing up. Well, you know, one of my uh, common themes and. I often preach about getting to the root cause of a lot of issues in these communities. And I basically preach for things, uh, economic development, uh, participating, including participating in the free uh, enterprise system by starting companies, going into business, competing, taking risk, uh, education, quality education, family, yep. the importance of family and marriage and the spirituality and the importance of God. And you and I have that in common. Definitely. And I, to the people out in the audience there, here, uh, there is a common theme of people achieving and overcoming obstacles because they have strong faith. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, we're in a situation today where uh God often is not brought up or take a uh, back seat to a lot of things that we're doing in the, uh, our philosophy. So uh, I can identify uh, there with you. Okay, so you graduate from high school. You start working at Circuit City. You go to Best Buy. You become a manager. In the meantime, you're learning all these great things that you can do installing car stereos. Tell me, where did your career go from there, KB? So I did, I worked, so when I went back to Circuit City, um, when I was working there, I, I I started putting money away in 401k. Young kid, no financial background, nobody telling me what it is, what I was doing, I didn't know. Right, so right. making money, making my commission, hitting all my goals, I'm putting money in 401k, not knowing what I was putting away. Right, right. So Circuit City go out of business, and Best Buy had a new manager. They wasn't trying to hire me. So I'm in the, in the middle of now what the heck am I going to do right now? I don't know what's my options. Um, I want to take a break and try to figure out my next move. So a young man trying to figure out my move. And then my cousin, um, he used to play for the Gophers, and then he played for the, um, for the Eagles. So he got drafted by the Eagles um, back in, I think it was uh, 2004, whatever it was, Thomas DePay. So when he got drafted, he moved to Philly. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. So um, he moved to Philadelphia, and then we were just talking. I was trying to figure out my life, not knowing what to do. And he was like, "Man, just come down here, take a break." Single, you know, trying to figure out my stuff. So while he was in Philly, he had a business in Miami. It was called Miami Water Ice. It was like a little ice cream shop. Uh -huh. So I was like, "Can you move to Miami and help me with the shop?" I'm like, "Shoot, I ain't got nothing else going on here. I would love to do it." So I moved out of Minnesota. Flew to Miami. Uh, we had a couple of buddies down there. I was staying at the house and um, started a whole new career managing uh, the ice cream shop. You know, so that was a change. You know, nice weather and it was great. So we did that. Did that for about five years and the store wasn't doing too well. It was a lot of you know hands involved in it because he had a couple of different partners too. So I didn't feel like he had he gave me the opportunity to actually run it like it was supposed to be ran because. Um, the partner was kind of doing a lot more, you know, so, mm -hmm. but we was young, we made a lot of mistakes, 
So that didn't work out. And I decided to move back home. So in the process of even making that decision, um, you know, I had a, a, a female I was messing with at the time and she had got pregnant. So I'm like, oh, shoot, I can't have a baby in Minnesota while I'm in Miami. That's not going to work. You know, right, I have right. to have my kids. So immediately with all the funny Miami and all the NFL players and, you know, the cool stuff, I'm like, this is not going to work. I have to go back home to family. So I just kind of put the bricks to it. Er, stop, drop everything I had, move back home um, to be with my son there, my son's mom. Now, are you still with your son's mom? No, I'm okay, not. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, because, and I don't want to get you in trouble here, because I met your wife, your beautiful wife. Oh, and yes, your, yes. Your my children. wife knows the story. You know, yeah, I'm a, I know she, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she, she uh, knows it. But, so, you know, it's, uh, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, moved back home, and, you know, I thought she was the one. We kind of tried, but we really didn't know each other, and that's the learning curve, too, right there. So, Right. I'm trying to be this guy to be there for my kid with my with my background and, you know, trying to be the dad and provide and protect and do all these great things. But it didn't work out, you know, mm -hmm. and as a man of faith, I felt like I was l l not doing what I was supposed to do. Why is my relationship is not working? So you pray and you're doing all this stuff and talking to my mom and people in church, you know, but it wasn't meant to be. So that was another part of my life. Just trying to realize sometimes you pray and pray and pray for something. But the sign is right in front of you, but you're still praying behind the sign you're seeing. Right, right, right. You know, uh -huh. you're trying to make it so right. Like, I'm praying. This is supposed to be it, and it's not it. But you're getting all these signs. And, I mean, it was just vivid on what she was doing that I'm like, God would just, he kept providing, like, this is not for you. You know, right, and I right, struggled right. with that, you know, because I'm like, well, you're supposed to marry the woman that you've got a kid by. Like, you know, mm -hmm. so, and I struggled with that. And after... All the science came out like, nope, this is not going to work. A few, about a year and a half into it, I left. Okay. But in the meantime, uh, if I know you, like I think I know you based on the little information, mm -hmm. uh, when you moved back to Minnesota, you were work. you got a job and was working or something like that. Oh. What, were you, what did you do when you moved back to Minnesota? So that's when the fire department came in about. So when okay. I moved back uh -huh. to Minnesota, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was still, because a lot of people still remember KB, the installer guy that did all the um, stereo and all that stuff. So I was still getting phone calls for remote car starters and all that stuff. So I just, I was working out of the garage. I was doing a lot of side jobs, you know, to pay the bills uh -huh. and do the things that I needed to do. But one evening, I was just driving on Brooklyn Boulevard. Like, I'm looking for a change, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. It. And I seen this sign, fire department, hire it. No experience necessary. Just come in. I said, let me go in here and talk to somebody and see what this is about. And that's how I, you know, I went in there and boom. I just, hey, I just got on. And the, the chief died at the time, he loved me. And he said, we're going to do whatever it's going to take to, you know, get you on and make sure you can pass all the firefighter one and two and get you on board. And I've been a firefighter since. What is it? That uh, sounds like you enjoy being a firefighter. Yes. Uh, what is it that you enjoy about being a firefighter? And uh, tell us about some of the challenges or close calls you may or may not have had. I think being a firefighter, um, the first few years is always going to be tough. 
you know, because you don't, it's a lot of unknown. You can do all the training and all the classroom or all the little simulation or whatever. It's not the same as going into a burning building, you know? So uh-huh. it's just one of those things like you really don't know. But just uh, to give back to your community where you live in, the people you serve it, you know? And and that's that's me. I'm, I love to give back. I love to serve. So just being a firefighter is just what I enjoy doing. Because I don't have a family member that was a firefighter. I never had a friend or anybody that I knew was a firefighter. Right. So just going into the fire department and talking to the chief was like, oh, shoot, this is something I can definitely see me doing. Right. And you mentioned that the chief there took a liking to you. So it must be something special about you, young man. <laughs> uh, now, let's, let's, well, let's, I don't want to fast forward too far mm-hmm. uh, to the scores, sports bar and grill. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to skip over you meeting your wife and get, give me uh, the chronology yes. of marriage versus saying I'm going into business and I'm going into the bar business. Uh, give, share that with our audience. Yeah, so uh, my wife and I, we dated a few years. I'll say probably like seven years before we got back together. So when we first met, like the story we always said, when she didn't like me, you know, <laughs> so it didn't work out. We both was young. You know, that's when Thomas was still in college and we was, you know, a lot of young kids making stupid decisions and just living our lives. So it didn't work out. We went our separate ways. And after I moved back to Minnesota and for some reason, I had this little business card. I was trying to start a business back then. I think I was trying to start a clothing brand. So uh-huh. I gave her my card when I seen her downtown Minneapolis, when I was back and forth between Miami and Minnesota. Uh-huh. So she kept that card, you know, so uh-huh. she remembered. So after we didn't worked out and she seen me downtown, I gave her the card and she kept that card in her little, she said every time she cleaned out, sometimes she would see it. Sometimes she would go, couple of years three four five years she never got rid of that card you know uh-huh. so crazy crazy story um and then me and my son's mom we broke up we wasn't together anymore i moved out and i just she had just reached out like i think it was on facebook or something we just kind of clicked and we got back together and started talking and we have never looked back since so we just became like cool best friends and everything has been amazing since that day yeah, I uh, I was trying to coax KB and getting his wife on here with him because I've seen how they re-interact and support each other and the love Definitely. there. Uh, but we might do that another time. And I oh, yeah. Have, she, yeah. Yeah, we, we have to set that up so she can definitely be a part of that. Yeah, and, and, and she's a gorgeous uh, lady. Uh, like, reminds me of my wife and uh, how gorgeous she is. And you guys got four children, as I understand. What yeah, are the ages? Boys, two girls. What are so the ages oldest, of your children? Our oldest daughter is 20 years old. And then our second daughter, she's 13. And then we have a 10 and an 8. So the two boys are younger, and then uh, two girls are older. Okay. And so did you get married? I'm assuming, yes, you did, before yeah. you decided to open up the sports bar. Before, But before we get specifically into the sports bar, it sounds to me like you've always had, well, somewhere down the line, or maybe always had an entrepreneurial spirit about you. Yes. Uh, is that? Yeah. Okay, okay. How do you explain that, uh, that you've always 
had that. You know, I for me, I love the flick. Yeah, I think the entrepreneurial spirit in me, like even when I used to work at Circuit City and Best Buy, I always had, I created a Bala multimedia group back then. I don't even know what the heck that meant. You know, but <laughs> right. I created my own business when I was 20 years old. You know, thinking about, I want to work on boats. I want to go on Lake Minnetonka and I want to install stereos in people's boats. You know, so, and that's what I'm doing. You know, so that mindset, I think I had that for a while and just going through that process, I always had that in me that I wanted to work for myself. You know, but right. I just didn't have no, no guiding direction on how to go about and starting my business and moving forward and doing that, you know, but just through the years of me researching and looking stuff up, all my businesses that I started, I did it by myself. I did the, went on a secretary of state website and I did the research behind it and I've done it myself. So, you know, going through all that process, I, I even taught my wife to do the same thing, you know, so now right. she's self-employed, you know, right. now she's an right. entrepreneur, but you got to have that in you to do it as well. Right. Right. So somewhere down the road, uh, while you're being a firefighter, uh, you get this idea. I want to open up a sports bar. In yeah. uh, give <laughs> yeah. us some background on that and why you chose to go uh, in that particular uh, industry, for lack of a better way of putting it. You know, um, even so, I have a, a my business advisor that I've been dealing with, Norma. Um, so he called me the, you know, I'm not a drinker or I'm not a foodie. So why did I ever want to open a bar or a restaurant? You know? Uh -huh. So I'm like, for me, I love to entertain people. Right. I love to put together a nice little gathering where I can just sit back and be like, I did this. People actually came out here to have a good time. And it's all because of all the stuff that we put together to make this successful. So I knew in the back of my head, all the all the different businesses that I've done, I've been involved in, I always wanted to own or be a part of a bar, restaurant, sports bar, or whatever. So I always wanted that, you know. So when the idea presented itself, it was like, uh, it was like it was meant to be, because all the chips just fell in when I got my location, and you know, although it was hard, you know, I struggled, but you know, look at uh, look at me, how far we have came. Well, let's uh, uh, delve briefly into how hard it was and mm -hmm. the struggles that you had. Uh, give us, you know, maybe two or three of the main hardships and or struggles you had in getting this business up and running. So so all my other businesses that I've um, had or because I have. So when I left, when I came back and I started working at um, uh, the fire department, I was doing um, low voltage. So that's how I navigated from the car stereo because I realized I wanted to do car stereo, but. I had to pivot, right? Because all the newer cars back then was coming with remote car starters, TV and the hair res, the nice cool stereo. Not too many people were trying to make any changes to the stereo anymore. Right. Uh -huh. So then uh -huh. I'm like, well, I met a, I call him my brother, Lester Royer. He worked for Tri Construction. So Lester was trying to get um, a stereo put in his um, car and he went to Best Buy and Best Buy was charging him a crazy amount of money. And he went to a friend of mine that had a clothing store and do it like, call KB, man. He's a cool guy. He can get it done for you. So Lester came with a bill from Best Buy for like almost three grand. And I'm like, I can do better than that. I can get you the price wholesale. And so since that day, me and Lester developed, um, developed this relationship. 
So unless I was doing his um, construction company, so like, how about you just get into um, um, low voltage? You know, you can put up cameras. You know, it's not high voltage. You know, so right, if right. you can go through the process and learn how that stuff works, that's gonna be something good for you. I'm like, really? So then I started doing research in that, and then I started buying up technology. So mm-hmm. first few years was tough, you know, but I'm like, you know something, let me work for another company, see how they run their low voltage company, and then I can keep going with mine, but my company was already registered. Right. So then I started working with Comcast. Comcast, I just came out with this whole new home security system. So when they came up with that, I was someone, one of the first tech that they had out on the field. So I was going out there installing cameras and, you know, security system in people's home for Comcast. Did that for about a year. Um, and I'm like, no, nope. and then it changed their pay grade. So it went from being, that had just wrote it out. They were paying us a lot more money. And then it mm-hmm. just changed. Oh, we can't pay you that much. We're going to pay you half. I told my wife, I came home that day and told my wife, Hey, I just put in my two week notice and I'm not going back to Comcast. I'm going to focus on bottle technology. She's like, are uh, you crazy? because <laughs> you, know, you know she used to the regular check right 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 so they just tell her i'm gonna be quitting my full-time job like what what's going on you, you you're joking right you know but i i had to believe that i was gonna do it and my wife already knew like my mind was made up you know and i told her like there's no going back baby but you know we're gonna be okay i'm, I'm gonna make sure we're okay and i've never looked back since uh there's this uh, I'm going to use the word notion uh, that everybody on the planet is separated by no more than six degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm going. You mentioned Lester at Tri Construction. Yeah. Uh, is he the owner and founder? He's one of the owners. Two one of, of the owners. Lester okay. And, okay. And, and Calvin. So it's two, own, two owners. Uh, my barber, and those who know me, uh, I get my haircut every Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> my barber uh, shares the same building with Tri Construction, and I know that they recently uh, purchased a building. The 927 building. Yeah, yeah, the 927 building. I'm doing all the low voltage for the new building. I was just there today. Oh, okay. And yeah. I was there when the mayor and everybody was there and cutting the ribbons and things like that. Yes. So when I see him again, I, 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 I will mention your name. Yes. Uh, okay, so... It wasn't easy uh, getting to the point where you're ready to open uh, uh, your sports bar and grill, uh, but uh, you got there, you were ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, as I understand it, uh, just as you were getting ready to open, uh, George Floyd and the riots hit. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that experience and the disappointment and any worries and stress you had because i to be honest which i think i saw a video with a couple of tears and just uh, uh, a few tears it, it wasn't a lot <laughs> it, it was just a few and that's good for it <laughs> but uh tell us well first of all uh give me a feeling of the anticipation you had because when yeah. i hear you're ready to open up i'm thinking everybody's ready to go and all of a sudden, when I'm this close to reaching my goals, mm-hmm. it looked like it's being snatched away from me. Just give yeah. us a feeling of uh, some of the emotions and things that you and your wife went through uh, during those times. Yeah, it was it was very tough. Just even getting to the part where, uh, but one, I go back and I'll just say, first thing is the favor of God, right? Because for me, 
even getting that far to even consider a bar or a restaurant or a sports bar was just, you know, because my when I got the lease, it was just I didn't have to pay rent for three months, you know. Um, so being because I'm very handy, and that's when I knew Lester too. So I have mm-hmm. my kids in there help me paint. You know, we was painting. I was putting up all the TVs. We were doing all. I was finding stuff on Facebook. My wife was helping me find all these different. So now we became very resourceful on how can we make this bar, sports bar, into what we dream of, right? But we don't have to go get a $50,000 loan or whatever to do this business. Because honestly, my credit was shot. It wasn't great. I didn't have good credit. You know, so going to a bank with a 600 credit score, and then you're asking them for fifty thousand dollars to open a restaurant. First thing first, they're looking at you like, "Do you have any experience?" No. So why would we? You're a nice guy. I like you, but I'm not going to give you fifty thousand dollars to open a restaurant. You have no background in that industry. So those were the struggle that I was going through. But I was determined not to take no for an answer. I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know. So I'm like, when you think about all these millionaires, people that have a lot of money, they don't go into a field and do it themselves. They just gotta hire the right people to do the job for them. Right, right. You know, so that was my mindset. Like, I'm not going to sit here and take no that I can't do it. I'm going to find a way to get it done. So I went through all the process. I went, I did all my liquor application by myself. You know, um, mm-hmm. all the, I reached out to a couple of lawyers. They were t- charging a lot of money. So I found out yeah. as long as you can do it the right way and the, the city will help you. You just got to ask the right questions. You know, right, so I went right. through all that process by myself. It took me longer because every time I went, I was probably missing a piece of paper. Right, you right, know? right. And then she would tell me, go back and do ABC. I'll write all that stuff now. I'll go back home. I will sit on my computer at night and I will come up with all the stuff that I need to be done. And I'll go back the next day. You know, so I got all that stuff done. I got all the blueprint done. I got everything done to get to where I was just, I went to my phase one of the liquor license um, application. Yeah. I went through my phase two, you know, so we went through all the process just to go to the community hearing and get signed up for my license. That's when uh, COVID hit. So everything got slowed down, you know, so then I couldn't get my license. So we kind of back to the drawing board. We're just going to sit at home and figure all the stuff out and, you know, trying to figure that out. So that was the little hurdle just trying to get to that part. And then finally stuff was about to get reopened, you know, and that's when um, George Floyd got murdered. You know, so mm-hmm. I still remember when he got murdered, we was because the precinct was a block away from the restaurant. Right. Right. So my wife and I, we took the kids out there. It was on the street, we was, you know, giving people water, just talking to people about the whole, you know, what was going on. We took our kids with us. You know, we have two young boys. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I took the boys to the um, to the station and was out there. Um, and then the next day, that's when a rioting happened. Right. When it was broken, people had broken to the back trying to steal the safe and all that stuff. So that's when I just kind of, so I had gotten, my wife and I got there that morning and everything was blocked out. You couldn't get to the restaurant, but we kind of knew how to get around. So right. we were able to walk around, went to the little whatever and got into the restaurant. And while we're in the restaurant trying to clean up and pick stuff up, somebody's breaking into the back door trying to steal the safe out of the office. Wow. And we was in the restaurant when I was going on, you know, wow. so, uh-huh. yeah, so in that process, um, when all that stuff was going on, even prior to that, um, while I was in the front of the restaurant trying to clean up and pick up all the broken glass and everything else, 
there was um CBS news reporter, um, one of the camera guy was just kind of walking around and he was like, Is this the restaurant? And I'm like, Yes. So he came inside, was asking me some questions, and that that's when actually the guys was in the back trying to steal the safe. So he got all that stuff live when all that stuff was going on. Right, right. You know? So, and like I say, just a favor of God, you know, because yeah. the timing was it, you know, the camera of CBS was there at that time. I couldn't, I couldn't have wrote this up even in my wildest dreams, right? So right. all that stuff had happened and he was able, so after that happened, he was like, um, I got Jeff Begirl, Jeff, I forgot his last name, with CBS News. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to reach out to you and he might come down for an interview. He's actually flying to Minneapolis right now. I'm like, oh, sure, okay. You know, so he got my information and he left and my wife and I just kind of, you know, um, play it off. But then he called. He's like, I'm in town. I would like to sit down and do an interview with you. So prior to him doing an interview with me, they told me to create a GoFundMe page. I didn't know what the heck that was. I was like, what is that? What am I supposed to do? So I left. I went home. Three o'clock that afternoon, he's calling. Hey, your stuff's going to be airing at five o'clock. Go ahead and create that. I'm like, uh, sure. So I talked to my wife. We try to figure it out. We got to create it. And he posted it when he did an interview. Um, and that stuff went live. So I remember my wife and I was at home and she was like, what are we going to do? I said, baby, I don't know, but whatever's going to be, is going to happen. You know, God's brought us this far. He's not going to let us down. So I'm not too worried about it, but we're going to be okay. You know, so posted it. And then the GoFundMe, we got a couple of little hits, $20 here, $50, $100 or whatever. And, you know, not too much thought into it. And then um, the next day, um, stuff was up in flames. I remember it was on a Tuesday. I was at the fire station working. And I got the call that the restaurant was on fire. And I was, being a firefighter, you own your businesses on fire and you can't do nothing about it. So my chief seeing me just bawling and he was like, um, just go, go home, go to your family, go home and grab your wife and kids and figure out what you're going to do or whatever. So I left the station, went home to my wife, what was going on? We were in the bedroom just crying and she's like, baby, let's go check. Let's just go see what's going on. So we goes to the, go to the restaurant, goes in the back and we just see just smoke everywhere. And we both just standing there, just sobbing, tears just coming out of my eyes. And my wife asked me, "What?" Are we, and then she asked again, what are we going to do? I said, you know something, baby? I'm not too worried about it. If it's meant to be, it's going to be. Maybe it wasn't meant for us to open a restaurant. Maybe it wasn't meant for this, you know, the, the bar, whatever. So I'm I'm very mad and angry. But at the same time, what can, I, what can we really do about this right now? We can't do nothing. You know, and the crazy part about it, going to COVID, I couldn't afford insurance. My insurance right. agent told me, like, you don't just take the insurance off right now. You know, we don't know how long this pandemic going to last. So don't worry about insurance. So I wasn't even insured. You know, Ooh, after putting right, all right. my savings into this place to build it up and it's up in flame without no insurance, nobody doing call and be like, hey, everything's gone. Who's going to pay for it? You know, so it was heartbroken. But that was that was the beginning of a new beginning. Well, uh, several uh, messages are coming through here. Uh, first of all, uh, I noticed that uh, when you were uh, getting ready to open your restaurant, that it was a family affair, and you guys was all pitching in, painting, and, mm-hmm. and getting things done. 
uh, I'm noticing that you and your wife, when you need to find out how to do something, you work together on it. And I love that. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also, though, noticed that uh, you said that uh, you weren't going to worry. And, you know, I tell people, someone asked me one time about being stressful. And I, my response was, I admit it, I don't do stress. I don't yeah. do worry. Mm-hmm. And I don't do fear. You're right. And if, and I tell everybody because I was born and raised in a spiritual environment, Southern mm-hmm. Baptist. And so uh, when I left home at uh, 17 years old, I thought I was equipped to deal with anything the world brought my way. And I still feel that way. So it's nice to know that. And, and I don't have to uh, tell a Christian uh, to tout a particular verse to a Christian, but one of my favorite verses starts off with uh, trust in the Lord with all thine heart mm. and lead not to thine own understanding. Yes. And 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 I interpret that also to be don't lean uh on other people's understanding. No, and, no, you can't. And people who do not believe in God can't understand the spiritual approach to life. And so yeah. I'm I'm really feeling uh what you're saying there and one of these days my audience i'm gonna tell uh there's uh i'm gonna do a a topic on the physics of god Mm -hmm. uh the astrophysicist stephen hawkins wrote a book about the theory of everything and i just remember uh in the somewhere in that book he's describing how all the universal things came together and somewhere in the book, he says, there's no way in the world this could have happened without mm-hmm. there being a God. And this is a physicist. So I'm, I'm going to do a, uh, a little talk one of these days on the physics of God. So let's get back on track here. So now uh, you're seeing seeing your dreams mm-hmm. uh, go up right before your eyes, turn into a nightmare uh, right yeah. before your eyes. But uh, because of your faith and strength and the support of your wife and the family and everything, you're pre- and I have something called parts mm-hmm. of life. And parts, the P stands for perspective. The A stands for attitude. The R stands for how you react to things. The T stands for tenacity. And mm-hmm. the S stands for spirituality. And I see all yeah. that working here. Right. Uh, so uh, you get set up this GoFundMe page. And I think, like I say, you raised, uh, I think, around a million dollars or more. Right. Uh, but you still got to uh, somehow get your business back on the ground. Yeah. And you still got to, uh, if I understand correctly, deal with the bureaucrats. And I know there were some issues with uh, remove the rubble and all that, that type of stuff. Tell us, what did you decide to do as a result of your dream? seemingly going up in smokes and uh, how you were uh, what were your plans for recovery so the initial plan that we had was when so after we got the go from me and everybody was reaching out and with the emails and the calls and it was it was so overwhelmed um support that i could even believe it so um as we're going through all this stuff and i still remember my sister had just passed i think a year prior to that and I was sitting in bed, um, you know, just thinking about the process of all the stuff that was going on. And I just like, I just thought about her like 
you know, I, I was like, my sister actually went up to heaven and asked God to, hey, my little brother's down there, man. He needs your help. You know, and I was just a little joke. <laughs> right. I was just uh, kind of saying. Uh, right. I know but, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, and and when all the, 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 the email was coming in, all the phone calls and everybody was reaching out, um, we had over 100,000 emails that came in. And some of the emails was just from like kids and family and people all over the world just saying, we are praying for you. You know, I don't have anything to send you right now, but I'm just praying for you. And those comments, they meant so much, you know, because as you're going through all the stuff, a lot of people don't know what you what you are physically fighting, right? You got family, you got friends, you got all these different things just coming from every different angles, just pulling you. So the prayer and the support, it meant so much to me and my family, you know, and those were the comments I was actually going back. I would sit down on my computer sometimes for hours at night and I would just respond to those emails. Like, I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, so I just kept responding to all those people. I was sending their prayer and support because it wasn't even about the money. It was just more of like, you know, I need all the prayer and support that I can get right now. You know, because the devil is busy. You know, he's going to try to find a way or a crack to come into this, you know, to the marriage or through the money or through whatever different little crack that he can find to just mess this up. You know, so whatever prayer and support, that's what I need. You know, so going through all that process and then trying to figure out a rebuilding process, you know, so all the stuff is going on. We're trying to rebuild um, at the same location, but um, we didn't own the space. We was leasing it. And the owner that had it at the time, he didn't know if he was going to rebuild, if he was going to sell the land, or if he was going to do whatever. So just going back and forth for him, that took almost six months, you know, or more. So it was like, okay, now we got to figure out another option. We're going to have to. And now we're in a position to probably buy, you know. So then we started looking into we're going to buy our own space. We're going to remodel it and upgrade it and make it into this bigger and better um, place that everybody can call, you know, can kind of gravitate to, you know, so that's the, that's the bigger plan that we have. We, um, so we was able to do that. Um, we haven't closed on the deal yet. We found a really good location in Minneapolis and with COVID and some of our legal stuff, he was going on with the space. We decided to just stick with it and wait. And once that stuff is done within the next month, we just going to announce it. And, um, that's the route that we going. Okay. And I'm very, much looking forward to that announcement. Uh, yes. And, uh, uh, you can uh, bet on me being one of your customers. And uh, I do have some insight, but we're not going to divulge any secrets here tonight. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, somewhere earlier in your response, mm-hmm. I think you mentioned uh, dealing with the bureaucracy and filling out your paperwork and getting things started. You had to go back and forth because if you didn't cross all the I's and that, oh, no, dotted the I's and crossed the T's. Right. <laughs> uh, and it sounded like you could have easily been frustrated. Yeah. Do I recall? It, it, but, but, but what I want to get to, and we had a young gentleman on, uh, Zach Redmond, uh, last week who had a similar experience. And where I'm going to is this. But this is what uh, I try to share with our youth. Uh, there are uh, many of us, because we've been indoctrinated with this 
uh, racism system, and they don't want us to do anything, who would have uh, attributed the roadblocks that you are seeing to racism or whatever and give and gave up. But you right. didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Why did you not uh, attribute it, uh, the hoops that they were giving you, uh, the roadblocks they were putting, uh, seemingly it could have been interpreted as roadblocks. Right. Uh, what type of attitude uh, did you have uh, you that know, you just kept going? You know, for me, and that's 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 kind of how I look at life, right? Um, me going downtown, a young black male. Um, I don't have a lawyer next to me. I don't have all my paperwork together. I don't have everything that they needed because this I haven't done this before, right? right? So, do I blame the system for that, or do I blame me of lacking knowledge in doing what I'm supposed to do? You know, but when I first got there, I felt that way because the way she was talking to me. Right, right. You know, right. like you, why are you even here, man? You're not even gonna get this. Do you is your record even clear? Do you do you have anything on your record? You know, can you pass a background check? They're saying all that stuff, right? Right. So do I just fall into that trap that she kind of had in the beginning and just be like, well, she was being a, a, a she was being racist and she didn't want me to do this. But after she realized who KB was or KB is. She be, she started helping me. Yep. You know. So yep. then we be we, we so in the beginning it was that. Right. She, what? Why are you here? You right. know why are you wasting my time? You know. Right. But she's saying I was determined. I wasn't going nowhere. We was gonna do this together. So right. then she started giving me all the stuff that I needed. Oh, you need to do this. Make sure you get this part done. Oh, make sure you sign this paper. Oh, I will advise you to go get her insurance and do this, do this. So then she started telling me all the stuff I needed to do after a week or two of she seeing me, I wasn't taking no for answer. You know, Love and it. she started giving me all the information that I needed to complete the process. You know, so I think that's just that's a part of um the part of being a businessman and a black man and all the stuff. You can say I'm a black man and everything is against me, or you can be like, I'm a black man, I know it's gonna be tough, but I ain't taking no. You know, so exactly. And that's where my wife and I, we, we talked about it. And I'm like, we got to start a nonprofit. So we started a nonprofit with my sister that passed away. And we called it Hawass Wings. And the idea behind the nonprofit is to help kids, like young men and women that are trying to start the business and just help them with the little information that I have. You know, how it's not, you don't have to pay to get some of this stuff done. It's just all about pointing you in the right direction. If I knew this stuff years ago, I probably would have done a lot more. But all my stuff was all trying, Aaron. I have, like, I've been through probably, like, 10 different businesses that I've registered. If this doesn't work, hey, we're going to try something else, you know. Love it. But it's just the process of not taking no and just keep going and keep going and keep going. You know, so that's the reason why we started a nonprofit, just, you know, to help with um, entrepreneurs trying to start their businesses. Perspective, attitude, reaction. How you react to what, what they're throwing in front of you. Yes. tenacity and spirituality and that's the same and i'm trying to get our young people to understand that mm -hmm. and and as christians we understand if yeah. we if we react right according to the teachers we would take potential enemies and roadblocks and turn them into our friends and helpers yeah. and and if you're like me it works every time it does. And, and uh, I tell everybody, before I ever blame the system or history or anything for me not succeeding, I'm going to first look in the mirror. 
Right. And make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Exactly. And exactly. before I blame other things. Now, yeah. uh, if you're like me, if they give me an excuse, I'm not going to I'm like you. I'm not going to get upset or angry. I will just go back and address what they told me and I will keep yes. addressing it. Right. Uh, uh, until you say yes. Yes. Uh, and so yes. I love that uh, uh, about you. So now uh, you're looking at buying a new place. You, I'm hoping you'll be open sometimes uh, by this summer. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. That's so, yeah. So what else do you have in the uh, queue for KB and family? Yeah. So, you know, it just, uh, um, like you said, the entrepreneurial spirit now, right? So you got, I have me with my um, low voltage company, Bala Technology. So we're doing a lot more um, commercial stuff. So like the tri-built building, we're doing that, you know? So now we're getting into that realm of stuff. So now I can provide more jobs for young men that are trying to get in the low voltage field, you know? So we have that going on. My wife has her own salon in the mall. You know, she's been doing hair for over 15 years. So right. why not get her started with something that she have a passion for versus right. just behind me trying to support my dream. And that's another thing that we talked about. You know, she's like, baby, I need to help you with the restaurant. And, you know, I got to make sure all your stuff. I'm like, baby, I get that. But at the same time, you have a passion for what you like. Right. You know, so I'm going to support your dream and do whatever we can to get you going. And we can still meet in the middle. I'm going to help you. You're going to help me. You know, right. so that's when we got her stuff going and she's doing great. You know, she's been in business for over a year now and she's been profitable, you know, so it's just building each other up. Now we can do more businesses, you know, so we got that going on. And um, I mean, the nonprofit is another thing that I want to focus on too. Um, ways that I can use to give back, you know, helping young men trying to start their business and, you know, talk to them about different avenue in life. You know, it don't always have like even being a firefighter, not too many. You, we don't have the options. You know, right. so if you're seeing somebody, um, just you're, you're a black man come in and tell you, this is the best part-time job that I got. You know, right. it pays right. for my education. I don't have right. no loan for being a firefighter. Right. I can work for some other department part-time, or I can go work for this Minneapolis for a full-time job with benefits and pension. Right. You know, right. so those are options that we don't know of. So as for me. If I can use this, my little knowledge of what I've been through to help another young black man, let him know, you can still go, you can become a firefighter. You don't have to, because Minneapolis, St. Paul, those are bigger cities. So it's going to be harder to get in. But if you go to a smaller community, smaller city, they pay for your education. They pay for your training. They pay for everything. You can do that part-time for, and have another job, or be self-employed, or go full-time, or go to another department, and you get your pension. Right, right. You know? So those are all information that I have that I can share with through my nonprofit and educate people on stuff, young men and women on that. Well, Mr. KB, uh, young man, I think I can, I'm old enough to refer to you <laughs> as a young man. Uh, right. I really have, it. We have we're going to have to do this again. I'll get your wife on the next time. But yes, I yes just, she would love that. Yeah, I just want you to know that you are the personification of the message I'm trying to share with our young people. And we started this off talking about, and it's really a pet peeve of mine mm -hmm. that every article in the New York Times is talking about racism. Every article in the Washington Post is talking about racism about black folks. It started Tribune, CNN. I mean, everywhere you look, is you report black folks and things like that. And the sad part about it our older generation 
uh, black people have adopted the same thing. That's what we're saying to our kids. And I'm just glad, and I tell everyone that the people that raised me had me focus on me. Yeah, and not the world and what I needed to do. And don't come in here talking about your teachers as a racist unfair. Did you do everything you're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And uh, focus on uh, me just being the best person I could be. And right, I, t- I tell everybody something very interesting happened when you start focusing on the best person you yeah. could be. You're not yeah. looking around at the world or history yeah. or how unfair yeah. life yeah. is. I, I yeah. agree. Yeah, and uh, the whole. Your whole perspective on the world change. It's, it do. It changes a lot. You're it, right. It, 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 it does. And so you have been a very great inspiration. Uh, I will keep in touch. Like I say, uh, we and our wives, we will uh, go out to dinner one night and test some more and get to know each other some more. And I'm definitely waiting to hear the announcement. Yes, um, yes. Uh, score is is the name still still gonna be Score Sports Bar and Grill? We we we're gonna change it. We're gonna rebrand it. Oh, re okay, rebrand. Yeah, we're I, gonna I like rebrand. That. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those modern words for us old, right. old school guy. <laughs> right, we're gonna rebrand exactly. <laughs> but uh, I wish you the best success and continued blessings. And Amen. I uh, hope your rebranding work and uh, keep being an inspiration, keep being a great family man, uh, keep being a man of God, and let's keep working together to try to change the lives of our community and the attitude of our young people and get them to know they can be anything they want to be yes. if they believe they can. If they believe they can, uh, you're right. If they believe they can. So thank you very much. And look forward to talking to you again. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. K.B. Bala, uh, entrepreneur, uh, man of God, family man, and just a great inspiration for all of us. Thank you, K.B. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. Say hi, say hi to your wife for me. Okay. I definitely will. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, all right, everyone. everyone uh, uh, that was very inspirational for me. I hope it uh, helped you out and and somewhere down the line uh, change your perspective on a few things but let's just go out here and make it a better world and uh, once again hey you can be anything you want to be and if you have anyone a group or organization uh, with the message that you can't and focusing on all the obstacles uh, that's in your life and all the bad history and what happened 200 years ago. And, uh, and don't get me wrong. Uh, we don't want to forget it, but it has to do with what you focus on. And so let's focus on our goals. Uh, let's focus on our habits uh, and things we need to do to succeed in life. Thank you. Good night. Lacey Johnson, bright lights, by the way, uh, go to LaceyJohnson.com, subscribe, uh, hit the notification button, uh, like the podcast, uh, visit our online store so we can continue to bring you bright lights and we can continue to get bigger and better. Uh, good night, everyone. Love you. See you next week.